Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope you all had a fantastic week. I, of course, have been busy, as always. That's the news every single time in my life. I've had a hell of a week because due to the holidays, I was unable to get a hold of my psychiatrist. I didn't realize that I was completely out of pills. And I went without Lexapro for four days. And I'm on a really high dosage, too. So my withdrawal symptoms are intense. If none of you take Lexapro or a medication that is similar, it is an antidepressant. And for some reason, it's just really got the absolute worst withdrawal side effects. I'm actually going to Google it right now just so I can explain it a little bit better. Okay, so according to NewChoicesTreatmentCenter.com, some of the withdrawal symptoms that can occur are brain zaps. That's a big one. If any of you have ever gone off of Lexapro, you will know how terrible this is. It literally feels like you have lightning bolts striking through your body, coming through your head. It's awful. It's whenever I move my head, it feels like my brain shakes and a lightning bolt goes off. And I remember once I was cooking and I was cutting something with like a really big knife and I got this really bad brain zap and I just straight up dropped the knife and I was like, Max, you have to take over. I can't do this anymore. Dizziness, fatigue, and confusion. I get super dizzy. I was really, really nauseous all day yesterday. Nausea is also a side effect. Fever, insomnia, headache, got that. Sweating, got that. Weight changes, often weight loss, which is the opposite of what I need. I've been trying to put weight on for years and it's just not fucking working. Dry mouth, which is great when you're a podcaster. Frequent urination, that's my life. An altered perception of certain senses, so fabulous. Those are just the physical side effects of the withdrawal. The emotional side effects include anxiety. Great, that's one of the reasons I'm taking the medication. Concentration problems, depersonalization, depression, irritability or mood swings, and suicidal thoughts. With all of that in mind, I had one of those days yesterday where it was just one thing after the other that was going wrong and it was one person after the other that was just pissing me off. I was so mad at my psychiatrist office for not giving me my medication when I needed it. So when I had the appointment in the morning, I was a little bit riled up because I was like, this is just fucking bullshit. I feel miserable right now. Thankfully, the guy that I spoke to at my psychiatrist's office, because I haven't actually spoken to my legit 
psychiatrist in years. She always just gives me to other people. But I really, really liked this guy and he helped me come up with the system so that I won't get to the bottom of the bottle and not realize that I have to have another appointment, that I'm out of refills. But anyway, so I was really pissed off about the whole pills situation. I felt so sick. I edited an episode yesterday that was about an hour and a half of recorded audio and it literally took me all day. In total, it took me eight hours to edit that episode just with the way that the hosts want it to sound and things like that. It's very particular and it's a lot of stopping and starting and all of this kind of stuff. It's been a really great learning process for me, but oh my gosh, is it tedious. So I was trapped inside most of the day just really trying to get this done because I had to go pick up my friend's daughter all the way over in Inglewood. And I live in the Valley. For those of you who live in LA, you understand that I have to get on the 405. It's like a whole thing. Rush hour is involved. And I was supposed to be there between 4 and 5 p.m. And I left at like 3.20. And I stopped at the pharmacy. I was going to grab a little something to eat for myself for later. And I was going to pick up my prescription. But for some reason, because This new psychiatrist had been so kind to give me all of my pills at once. They couldn't process the discount that I was supposed to have or something. Anyway, I ended up waiting at Rite Aid for like 30 minutes just trying to get a discount applied to my medication. It was awful. I was running late. I was so stressed out and I did not have the capability of regulating myself like I normally would. I just I I felt like I was going insane in my own brain and I was completely out of gas as well. So I stopped at the gas station and you know those gas stations where there's like a little shop in the center and then there's gas pumps on either side or whatever. Well this one is like really tightly packed And I was the middle car. There was a car in front of me and a car behind me. But I did that because I saw that the car in front of me looked like they were done pumping gas. They were just sitting in their car or maybe he just got there too and we were going to be out at the same time, whatever. I'm done pumping my gas. I get in the car. I turn it on and he's still just sitting there. I roll forward a little bit like, okay, time to go. I'm moving. He still doesn't do anything. I kind of just take my fist and like tap the horn a little bit gently like, hi, I'm here. Could you please move? Still doesn't move. Then I give him a full-on honk, honk, nothing. Then the man takes his keys out of the ignition and gets out of the car, walks by me, and goes inside the gas station, leaving me stuck there for about three minutes. I lost my ever-loving mind. I called Max and I screamed about how much I hated humanity and every single person in the world was terrible. And I screamed and I cried and people probably saw me and it was probably embarrassing. But you know what? They're never going to see me again. So what are we going to do? I was struggling. But seriously, how rude is that? You see someone behind you that's trying to get past and you just let them stay stuck. Like if he had pulled forward and let me get by and he could have pulled right back into his spot, whatever, that probably would have taken about 30 to 40 seconds. But instead, he had to make me sit and wait for three extra minutes, which honestly, now that I think about it, I was probably about three or four minutes late to picking up my friend's kid. So if he had just let me go at the time that I was supposed to, maybe I wouldn't have been late. But thankfully, I got lots of cuddles from my little three, almost four-year-old girly last night. I love her so much. She was so sweet and cuddly and well-behaved last night. Sometimes she can be a bit sassy. 
So that made it a lot better. Today, I have a massive headache still. I think I was grinding my teeth last night. I think I had some bad dreams. I feel like I'm still kind of recovering from all of the withdrawal stuff. But thankfully, none of that held me back from preparing for another fantastic mini What's in the News episode for all of you. And I got some shit to talk about. So let's get into it. I feel like I'm trapped in some sort of transphobic time loop when I see headlines like Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special sparks backlash for trans jokes from Newsweek. Dave Chappelle's Netflix special goes viral for blunt transgender comments from Fox News. And Netflix hosts transphobic and ableist Dave Chappelle's special from The Advocate. It's like a broken record. We've seen these headlines before. But Chappelle's new special, The Dreamer, according to avclub.com, is an exercise in trolling, an attempt at offending, and endangering the lives of marginalized people for his amusement. And I would have to argue, his relevancy. Why else would he continue to make the same sort of punchlines at the expense of trans people in his last three specials when he has gotten this kind of reaction every single time? On top of this, Chappelle has been a comedian since the 90s and has been hailed as one of the all-time greats in the field of stand-up comedy. So shouldn't he know better than to reuse the same sad, bored material over and over again anyway? Like, work on some new material, bro. The first time he made some terrible, and I'm using very large air quotes here, jokes, toward trans people were in his 2019 Netflix special, Dave Chappelle, Sticks and Stones. There was also a lot of other controversial material in this special, including the suicide of Anthony Bourdain, cancel culture, and sexual abuse allegations against Michael Jackson, along with the documentary, which tells his victim stories, Leaving Neverland. Also, I'm pretty sure there are many episodes where each and every one of these specials is discussed since they started back in 2019 and we started the show back in 2018. So if you're curious to listen to Keegan and I cover any of this kind of conversation from the past, I'm going to link those episodes in the show notes as well. But as a reminder, in this special, he also talks about his friend Daphne, who is a trans woman who supports him and likes his jokes, which I guess is supposed to make all of the horrible things he had just said okay. It's kind of like a white woman saying they can't be racist because they're married to a black man. In the epilogue of this special, he had this segment where audience members could ask him questions and he was talking more directly to them. And he was telling a story of this previous performance where a woman walked out of his show during one of his, again, very heavy air quotes here, jokes about the Me Too movement, where the woman yelled up on stage as she was leaving, I'm sorry I was raped, to which Chappelle replied, Miss, it's not your fault that you were raped, but it's not mine either. Like, Fuck you. Just have a little bit of empathy. I'm sure whatever he said warranted that kind of response. In 2021, Netflix released Chappelle's next special, The Closer, which is, again, chock full of transphobic remarks regarding TERFs, Caitlyn Jenner, J.K. Rowling, and the issue of bathroom accessibility for trans people. Also in that special, he spoke about his friend Daphne that he had spoken about in his 2019 special. He told the crowd that she had unfortunately very sadly taken her own life and says that this was due to experiencing online harassment from people in the trans community for defending Chappelle's comedy. Come on. Really? 
As for this new special, released on Netflix on December 31st, 2023, I've just seen one clip in which he says that if he was ever arrested in the United States, that he would claim to identify as a woman in order to go to a women's prison. And that was enough to ignite a large amount of rage inside of me. So I took to Instagram and ranted about it for a little bit. If you want to check that out, it's on my reels there. And there I just make the point that it makes no sense that he has to continually make trans people the punchline over and over and over again. And that he truly seems to be doing this for the media attention and the publicity. I can't see why else he would continue to do this. It's just... I know some comedians really like to be controversial. I just feel like there's been enough attempts to educate, I guess, or to make it known how damaging it is what he's doing. And he's still choosing to, you know, do this anyways. And I absolutely hate when people say that liberals just can't take a joke or that comedy is such a scary thing now because you have to worry about being canceled. But here's the thing. I love comedy specials. I watch them all the time with Max. And stand-up comedy is one of my absolute favorite things to see live as well. And there is a way to make jokes involving minorities and other very sensitive subjects without getting quote unquote canceled. Just don't punch down. I've talked about Daniel Sloss a lot on this show, but I feel like he is a really good example of talking about really heavy topics without it being controversial or negative. And it's still really, really funny. And I feel like the idea of not punching down is a pretty basic rule in comedy, unless you're one of those comedians whose whole thing is offending people like that one guy, Matt Reif, Matt Rafe, I don't give a fuck. But especially for Chappelle, who has for a long time been a great advocate for the black community and other minority groups and has done a lot of good, he should know how cruel his behavior is. He's been on the right side of history for so many things, and I've seen him do some really great and moving work. I saw a great special he did after the murder of George Floyd that was absolutely beautiful. So why are you doing this, Chappelle? I don't understand. Knock it off. And Netflix, stop releasing these goddamn specials. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the next thing I want to get into are the Epstein documents that are continually being unsealed. On Wednesday, a trove of secret court files related to Jeffrey Epstein was unsealed, giving us a hell of a lot more information about what happened to his victims and his famous colleagues. 
Though it appears that there are no new names added to the list, we do have a broader understanding of some of their involvement. More than 150 people, including former President Bill Clinton and former President Donald Trump and Clinton's aide Doug Band, were named in the documents. There has been a slow unveiling of these sealed documents through the years, which was so slow because of the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell that was still in process. After another one of these documents were unsealed back in 2019, that's when we learned of Prince Andrew's association with Epstein. As for the reason that these are being unsealed to the public, one of the lawyers involved said, The public has wondered and many have rightly demanded to know how Epstein operated this vast global sex trafficking enterprise and got away with it for decades. Questions of who enabled and facilitated him and who participated in an operation that resulted in unspeakable harm and devastation to the lives of countless girls and young women quickly surfaced. The public interest must still be served in learning more about the scale and scope of Epstein's racket to further the important goal of shutting down sex trafficking wherever it exists and holding more to account. The unsealing of these documents gets us closer to that goal. Besides Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, here are some other names mentioned frequently in the documents. Magician David Copperfield, Michael Jackson, Prince Andrew, of course, billionaire Glenn Dubin, billionaire Les Wexner, high-profile defense attorney and Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz, and the deceased ex-governor of Mexico, Bill Richardson, along with others. It seems like more and more documents will continue to be released, and more and more details will be uncovered as to how Epstein was able to get away with his crimes. I started reading a memoir by one of Epstein's trafficking victims a while ago, like probably almost a year ago now, but I had to stop reading it due to the book club, and I... I need to restart it or maybe I can just pick it up. But I really would like to learn more about all of this. I've kind of avoided this subject for a long time for a couple different reasons. One of them is that it would be incredibly triggering for me and it sounds terrible and like something that would be really nightmare inducing for me even though I watch and listen and consume so much true crime that kind of stuff still really gets to me and the other thing is that it's such a huge story it just seems like such an undertaking to go back and try to unravel everything that happened it's a little bit of an intimidating story to me in that way too Keegan and I actually did an episode covering Jeffrey Epstein back in 2019, I believe. So if you do want to learn a little bit of what we knew at the start of all of the trials and everything, go back and listen to that episode. But I know that there has been so much more information that has become public knowledge since Jeffrey Epstein's arrest and death and so on and so forth. But I definitely think that it is important for us to learn about sex trafficking and how it continues to happen all over the world and in the United States and understand what the warning signs are and do our best to be able to end these sort of conspiracies that happen where there's just lots and lots of people involved and no one is being stopped in their abuse of these young women and girls. It's terrible. All right, I want to finish this episode with some humor. Jesse Waters, a host on Fox News, invited psychic, clairvoyant, ghost hunter, remote viewer, handwriting analyst, and seer, according to her website, Paula Roberts, to his show to give some predictions on the 2024 presidential elections. And Miss Paula did not disappoint. 
Paula Roberts is the English psychic who is on set to give us a reading right now. I would like, Paula, for you to give me a reading hmm. on President Trump. Just the one card. One card. One card. Let's do just one card. We like that one. Uh oh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what is that? I, I mean, I, I, I do recognize that I'm at, I'm at Fox TV. I have <laughs> a sense of loss. Since this is not a visual medium, I just want to add what they're looking at right now. They just pulled a card for Donald Trump, and the card that they're looking at shows a figure wearing a black robe standing bowed in a landscape. And this made Miss Paula Roberts go, uh oh. <laughs> a sense of loss, but it, it's very specific. No, 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 no let, let, let me move on. <laughs> it's a sense of loss. It's as if um, he may be thinking more about what he's lost and not still taking full advantage of what he still has. What a great way to spin it, Paula. That's a great interpretation, this Paula. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I don't make it up. <laughs> Let's see President Joe Biden. What will his year look like? Let's look at Joe Biden. Lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Lots of money. <laughs> From China? <laughs> oh, you are cheeky. <laughs> I, I didn't say from where. <laughs> lots of money. A lot that of money. is very interesting. I mean, above, okay, for whatever is his normal, it's way above. Jesse Waters saying that Biden's getting money from China, stirring shit up, whatever. It's pretty funny, though, because, again, not a visual medium. So let me explain what Biden's card looked like. It was the antithesis of Donald Trump's card, where Trump's card had a black hooded figure on it. Biden's had a figure wearing a light colored robe in what appeared to be a blooming orchard. And so it was very, very beautiful. And yeah, apparently he's going to be a very, very wealthy man this year. And then finally, Jesse asks her to pull a card to see what the American people's fate is for the year of 2024. And this is what she got. Great happiness. Yes. Great happiness. I mean, that, that, that's just full of joy, happiness, contentment. I mean, it, it's, it's as, I tell you, it's a funny way of putting it. It's as big as the money card is. Ooh. It's big. Big. Big, big happy. Big, big happy. Big, big, big happy. It's a big, big happy year for America. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a really big is. happy year for Jesse Waters primetime. It's just a big happy year for us all. Isn't that just so great? It was funny because in another part of the interview, she pulled a card for Jesse Waters and it said that he was going to have another baby. And he said that he hoped his wife wasn't watching the show. <laughs> so funny. So I guess we will just have to see what happens on November 5th. I hope you're right, Miss Paula Roberts. Okay, my friends, that is all that I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me for another mini episode. If you enjoy these episodes and you want to get them a little bit early and ad-free, I do have an option for you. You can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist, or you can click on the Patreon link in the show notes or on my Instagram bio at angryneighborhoodfeminist, and join the feminist faves level for $8 a month. Along with getting these episodes early and ad-free, you also get a little recap episode of whatever the topic was for Monday's episode, which will be happening weekly. 
You get other little random bonus tidbits here and there. And you also get all of the content that is part of another level, which I am changing from the Angry Feminist Book Club to Mad Gabin with Madigan. It is going to be a new segment on Patreon that I'm so excited about. I'm going to be giving advice, answering questions, sharing more and more of my insane stories from my life like I did at the top of this episode and popping on and just giving you more Madigan again, more rage, more feminist shit. That's what I am here for. And that level is $5 a month. Another fantastic way to support me and the show is by going to your Apple podcast app and leaving a five-star review and a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It truly, really does help me out a lot. And I really, really appreciate all of you who have reviewed. And if you're a listener on Spotify, you can rate the show over there as well. And if there's anything that you want me to cover either on one of these mini episodes or for a full length episode, please reach out to me and let me know any of your topic suggestions. You can email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. All right, that is all I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels. Hey, y'all. I'm JJ. Hey, guys. It's Kat. And we're your hosts of the Real Hauntings Podcast, where we bring on guests who share their firsthand encounter ghost stories and supernatural experiences. Now on to the trailer. I've been warned to not tell this story, but I think because of the way it ends, it's okay to tell this story. Because some people say that with certain entities to like speak of them or talk about them or in any way like portray them as powerful will attract them to other people. The creepiest thing about it to me is a lot of times it would wait for me to notice it. Like it would just lay its arm out like this and then I'd be like, where is it? Where is it? And then I'd see it and then it would just slither back. For more information on the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast, make sure you check out real.fm to learn more about our podcast and many other amazing podcasts.